Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today's Song of the Soul guest is singer-songwriter Brian Sergio, an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. His passions include his frequent trips to and service in Haiti, and, of course, his music. He's been my guest already for Spirit in Action, highlighting some of the many songs he's written on peace and justice themes. But today, he's just back from Haiti to share his spiritual journey through his Song of the Soul. Brian Sergio joins us today by phone from Madison, Wisconsin. Brian, welcome back from Haiti, and welcome again to Song of the Soul. Thanks very much. It's great to be with you again. Do I hear a bit of a cold in your voice? You just were to the warm land. How can you have a cold? Uh, Yeah, you absolutely do. You know, when I go to Haiti, among other things, I mean, I have a lot of fun when I go down there, too, but I'm always working with people who who have medical needs and illnesses of various kinds. And uh, so, uh, yeah, but once again, I picked up some kind of little bug down there. Nothing serious, though. What kind of work were you doing this time? What were you actually engaged at for about a week? You were down there, right? Right. Well, I was working with a grassroots organization that I have been working with in a place called City Soleil, which is a shanty town of sorts on the outskirts of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, one of the poorest places uh, on the planet. Mother Teresa once referred to it as the poorest place on Earth. And I've been working with a, an organization there for quite a few years, almost probably 15 years now. And they do a number of things, but this particular time they were hosting a medical clinic uh, in their community, an organization from Florida that sends teams of, of medical personnel from throughout the country to this neighborhood in which I work. And my friends there host them and, and set up a clinic and have all kinds of folks who 
have lots of different medical needs, primarily uh, something connected to malnutrition and worms in the kids and things like that. And a lot of drugs are uh, administered. There's pharmacists who participate, and it's a great thing. And uh, they get a little, little bit of, of medical care, and the people here that go down there get a chance to have their, their hearts broken open a little bit and a chance to uh, be compassionate and also be loved by the Haitian people in return. Part of my trip this time was just fun. A very close friend of mine with whom I've been working for a lot of years was getting married, and I was the best man in the wedding. So I was, that's the other reason I was there. Well, we have you here today, Brian, to share your song of the soul. And so let's start into the music that you picked out. And it's all this music is by you. It's by Brian Sergio, who people could contact you. Uh, again, your website is? It's just my name, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, Sergio, S-I-R-C-H-I-O dot com. And if people go to my site, northernspiritradio.org, they'll find him. So, Brian, what song are we going to start out with for your song of the soul? Well, I decided to start out with the oldest song of mine that I've ever recorded, a song that I wrote when I was 19 years old. I had a conversion experience when I was 17. You know, I never planned on becoming a, quote, religious person at, at all. You know, I didn't grow up in a very religious or church-going uh, home at all, and um I just met a young woman at a camp I was working at somewhere after my junior year in high school, and she impacted me very deeply just by the kind of loving person that she was. And through a lot of conversations with her that summer, I started reading the Bible and became very drawn to the person of Jesus in Scripture. And, and by the end of that summer, through a number of conversations, I realized I was really becoming a believer myself. So this song was written just a couple years later, looking back on that summer. And it just underscored the fact that that all I really needed in my life, to have my life forever changed on a spiritual level, was to meet one person who took her spiritual journey seriously and lived it out with consistency and integrity. So I just thought this was a good place to start, because that's when my own awareness of my spiritual journey started. And I believe the song's called All I Needed, from your Come As You Are album. You know, when you're talking about this young woman, Brian, you said that all it took was one person who was living this faithful, spirit-led life, this inspirational life. In the song, you talk about all the hypocrites, as you perceived them at the time. How is it that one person being faithful in church outweighs all of the hypocrites that you saw? Well, that's a great question. You know, first of all, looking back, I, I mean, I learned the, what the word hypocrite meant when I was about 14, and I, I thought I had a very sophisticated critique of Christianity. And I think the truth was, I probably knew many Christians who were very quietly trying to go about living out their faith without a lot of fanfare and without drawing a lot of attention to themselves. And I probably just didn't have the eyes to see it. But when it came to people my own age, I mean, I had a zillion friends that went to churches of various kinds or synagogues or whatever. And I just didn't know one who enjoyed it, or who took it very seriously, or who was going for any other reason than that they were forced to by their parents. And so that was, it was really my, my friends, my peers, that I felt were just going through these motions. And I didn't, I've always been the kind of person that, that tries to be real, that, that thinks things through, that doesn't want to just go through the motions, that questions everything. So I was actually grateful that my parents didn't force me to go to something that, that they didn't necessarily believe in themselves. So in contrast to that, though, this one young woman, and it, and it wasn't in a church-related experience at all, but just the way she treated people, and then I realized that she was a person of faith, and I started watching her closely. So just it was the contrast, I think, Mark, between all these friends that just went through the motions and this one young person who just actually was full of love and lived out her faith very deliberately and intentionally, you know, without being, uh, well, obnoxious is the word that I often use. <laughs> you know. 
avoiding being obnoxious is a really valid policy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we all fall prey to it now and then, I think, but no, she was just a really beautiful person, and that's what caught my attention. I wondered what made her who she was, and, and I started asking, and she started explaining, and that's, that's how it all began for me. I'm going to make a wild stab at it, but I would say that what this one person did was actually awaken the godly part in you, and all of a sudden, I think you started seeing the world differently. You probably saw a lot far fewer hypocrites once you had the divine love growing inside you. Is that a fair guess, or tell me I'm wrong? No, I think that's a beautiful guess. I think it was the God in me that recognized the God in her and vice versa, and that spirit-to-spirit, heart-speaking-to-heart thing. And yes, and then once you have eyes to see that, then you begin to see it everywhere. And at this point, I like to think I see the divine in everybody, whether they see themselves as, quote, believers or people on a spiritual path or not. So I, I very much resonate with what you're saying. The song is All I Needed. It's by my guest for today's Song of the Soul, Brian Sergio. A couple years ago, if someone had said to me, You will soon be going to church singing songs like these Well I'd have said you're crazy You see religion's not for me I don't need a money hungry church preaching hypocrisy You see I'd never seen a Christian who was any different from me Except for these do's and don'ts that they could never keep They go to church on Sunday But their life stayed just the same No better off on Monday It seemed just like some foolish game But all I needed was to see God's love in another And to be loved just like a brother With the love only God can give To sense God loving me through another's life Was really quite enough God fills a heart with love And love's one thing I can't deny Well, I'd heard about how Jesus came To die for all my sins But I saw no reason Why I should let him in You see, God seemed like this concept Too far removed from me I wouldn't acknowledge anything I couldn't first touch and see But then I met this Christian And she really knew the Lord And when I saw God's love in her It wasn't long before I bowed down before God With tears rolling from my eyes Asking God to give me love To come and live inside me You see, all I needed Was to see God's love in another And to be loved just like a brother With the love only God can give To sense God loving me through another's life Was really quite enough God fills a heart with love And love's one thing I can't deny That was Brian Sergio. 
All I Needed. And you said, Brian, that was one of the very early songs that you wrote. You said you did that mainly with middle school students. Were they involved in the music making or anything at all, or the songwriting, or are some of these songs songs that they wrote? No, not back uh, when this one was recorded. More recently, I, you know, I have worked with some groups of teenagers and, and done some writing workshops with them, and one song in particular, a song called Peace, which unfortunately hasn't been recorded, but that's in a songbook collection of mine now and, and being sung in a lot of churches, and that was put together by some junior high kids at a music arts drama and dance camp just a couple years ago. So I do enjoy that, but not all the tracks that I think we have listened to together are just things that I wrote myself and recorded. You know, you said, Brian, as you were finding your way into this religious world that you felt like most of the other kids your own age that you know, went to church didn't match up to the rhetoric. They weren't very happy with what they were doing there. They are just, you know, marking time. And all of a sudden, you got religion, you who hadn't been forced to go to church. Did this turn you into a church nerd, uh, an ostracized young person? You know, here you are, a religious, devout person, all of a sudden at 17, and other people are just itching to get out of church when their parents let them not attend. That's a great question. You know, looking back on it, I, I was really pretty fortunate. I mean, sure, there were some of my friends. I mean, I was a pretty wild teenager, and I, when I became a Christian, it didn't just turn me into some little religious nerd or robot or... I didn't go around quoting scripture at people. Um, all it really did for me was just kind of, I sort of fell in love with the source of love. And it was really that simple. And I, I never wanted to come across as a cliche. And I certainly didn't want to force my perspective on anyone. It just made me more intentional about trying to be kind to people, trying to, to live out the fruits of the Spirit, trying to love people or treat people the way I'd like to be treated. And yeah, people started hearing about it, and some people made fun of it a little bit, but for the most part, people were really respectful. You know, it wound up just deepening a lot of my friendships, and people were pretty, pretty accepting of it. So I didn't face a lot of persecution, or criticism even. Maybe persecution would be too highfalutin of a term, but... I think, you know, I've always, you know, just done my best to be a regular human being, as I've also tried to be very committed in my spiritual journey, and not pretend that I'm holier or more pious than anybody else. And I think, you know, a lot of people have told me, I mean, over the years, things like, the way you are a Christian or a minister when I was is, is refreshing because you seem like a regular human being. And, I, you know, I very much am. So I guess uh, I do my best not to put on airs of holiness, is what I'm trying to say. And People seem to respect that and appreciate it. There are some people who, when they get religion, go around and saying, you know, do you know Jesus? Uh, you know, are you saved? And if not, I can tell you all about it. Was that not something that you took on at that period? I went to a church that very much wanted me to do that. You know, they had a youth group, and they would go out, quote, witnessing was the term we used. And all I can say it was like a shoe that never quite fit. I've never been ashamed of or embarrassed of or shy about my faith. I don't mind talking about it. But I've always just felt that since it's all about love, to me the loving thing to do is, number one, to be open to the possibility that someone else might know something that I need to know, You know, that just trying to let it be mutual, to be humble enough, and uh, just to never assume that I knew where somebody else was coming from, to assume that for a lot of people spirituality was a very private thing. So I just didn't want to be crashing around in that part of somebody's life or their journey. So that just never worked for me. It never fit. 
I know for your next song that you picked out a song with the name Lisa in it. Is Lisa a real person or is that a composite person of someone you've known along the way? It seems in some way that by watching her behavior with this song, you're feeling called to respond with divine love, to call her to divine love? Yeah. Um, first of all, you know, Lisa is not a specific person. It's more, as you alluded to, a kind of a composite person. And this was, you know, I just, again, working so much with teenagers, especially early on in my music ministry, and just coming across a lot of kids who I could tell were, were really searching for something, trying just about everything, and, and then looking at myself. I mean, I was very much in that position myself. I always felt like I was missing something, longing for something, you know, trying to find depth, meaning, love, purpose, all that good stuff, and looking just about everywhere. And, I, you know, I eventually kind of came to the realization that I think human beings are created with that longing and that it's put there deliberately to kind of put us in a search for God, for the divine, to somehow connect with spirit. And so, you know, this song is just my attempt to kind of show some understanding for some of the places in which people tend to look to uh, kind of quench that thirst inside. And then, you know, I very obviously do my best to give the answer or to point toward what I think we're all thirsty for, which when I wrote this song, I, you know, which I said is, is Christ or a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. You know, I should say that I'm still very much a Christian and just very deeply into Jesus. But one of the things that happened, has happened to me over the years is that I get more and more into Jesus and also more and more respectful of truth in all of its forms and religious visions in all their forms. While I still think that uh, we're all hungering ultimately for Christ, my understanding of the Christ and my definition of, of Christ is, is much wider now than it used to be. Such that Christ is in Haiti and he's in India and he's in the remote places where people have never heard of Jesus? I think so, yeah. Well, the song, Lisa, if you're listening, I know that you name a lot of things in the song that Lisa maybe is using as her outlet. There's drinking, you mentioned buying, you mentioned running from one lover to another. A lot of people would call this just plain addictive behavior. What's the relationship for you between addictions and turning to the divine? Interesting question, Mark. You've got great questions, man. You're very good at this. Well, let me just say, first of all, that yes, I mean, I think that those can be addictive behaviors. I mean, they aren't necessarily. For some people, it's just the experimentation or just part of the searching, the seeking, the hungering, the places that we all kind of look. For some people, though, every one of those things you just mentioned can certainly uh, take an addictive pattern. But that, uh, you know, I think AA is one of the most powerful spiritual movements uh, of the last hundred years or so. And one of its just basic tenets is that there is a divine. I mean, they don't name the name, but the, a higher power they would call it, but that basically would probably concur with this song, that what people are really, really looking for is a relationship with the divine and with one who can uh, help us find what our hearts are, are truly thirsty for and become free from desperate, addictive attempts to find what's missing in something that's destructive for us. The name, Lisa, if you're listening, there's this tentative quality to it. I guess maybe you're just expressing in the title of the song, it's not like you're shoving this on her. It's like, Lisa, if you're listening, here's something I'd like to share with you. Is that why you phrased it that way? I was just It's a peculiar construction for most people. Yeah, it is that. It's also, there was a Lisa. I mean, it's a composite person, but I also did have a conversation shortly before I wrote this song with a woman, an adult Lisa, with whom I had in mind. I mean, she just shared with me some of what her childhood was like and some of the destructive things that she had gone through 
And so, I, you know, I think I was also just kind of throwing it out there for all the leases of the world. If they hear this on the radio, if they, you know, hear it on a friend's car in a CD, or, you know, just wanted to make it a little bit more personal, but also just kind of gentle and a little bit indirect. Lisa, if you're listening. It seems we're all born thirsty for the cup of happiness. It's almost like we're homesick for a place we've not seen yet. Could it be that longing is a gift from the Spirit's hand? A thirst that's meant to lead us to look for a promised land. Maybe you've been thirsty, but you're not really sure what for. Look for satisfaction everywhere except in the Lord. started drinking She steals her daddy's gin She says that when she's wasted She feels like she fits in Her parents give her money And so she buys lots of stuff at the mall Her closet's full But Lisa feels so empty with it all Lisa, if you're listening Well, there's something I need to say Girl, it's not your fault You feel emptied out this way Cause somebody sold us the Brooklyn Bridge I'm telling you that's how it is The stuff they said would satisfy Can never touch that thirst inside And I believe that what we're all longing for Some folks try to quench that thirst With things that they can buy Some run from one lover to the next But they don't know why Some just hide the hunger By living much too fast And some just give up hoping That any good thing lasts Oh, but Lisa, if you're listening Well, don't pretend that your life's just fine Cause Jesus might be trying To reach your way down inside And show you That somebody sold us the Brooklyn Bridge I'm telling you that's how it is The stuff they said would satisfy Can never touch that thirst inside I believe that what we're all longing for is Christ There's a fountain flowing With what you're longing for And people find that water When they know they need the Lord So if you know you're thirsty Well there's a cup that we all can share And there's a special table With a place set for you there So sit down Lisa Welcome home,
Lisa. just tuned in that was lisa if you're listening it's by my guest for today's song of the soul brian sergio he's with us today fortunately having just returned uh, two days ago from a week down in haiti in that song by the way i want to let you know my favorite line in there is where you say someone sold us the brooklyn bridge and from your point of view what is the brooklyn bridge that we've been sold well just so many things. First of all, I should say, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, and so the Brooklyn Bridge was was close by at hand. And so, what is that bill of goods? The way in which we define success. So much of how we understand or tend to be taught what the meaning of life is, even you know, I would say, in many ways, the American dream that life's about a certain degree of material prosperity and certain level of possessions and what I was taught it meant to be a man, even. I mean, just so many things that I realized once I started reading Scripture and, and reflecting on the teachings of Jesus and trying to open myself up to the Spirit, I realized so much of what I had been taught and sort of programmed in my life was really antithetical to what the Gospel message was all about. That's a pretty big Brooklyn Bridge. You do these trips so regularly down to Haiti that I'm sure you get a totally different view of the American dream here it is about success or you've got your hours to put in and you were just even saying about the wedding how timing is not the same down there is it here the clock has different number of hours down there doesn't it that's very true you know it's still hard for me to unplug from my own understanding of time i mean this wedding that i was just in the wedding was supposed to start at three o'clock and they were to pick me up at two o'clock to take me to the church and we didn't get to the church till 4.15, and there was another wedding scheduled for 5. And it's just often the way things are. You know, people laugh about it and say it's Haitian time, but there's a, a lot less preoccupation with being just scheduled in the ways that we are. And, and there are ways in which that's very liberating to be invited, whether I want to be or not, to let go of some of my own cultural predispositions there. And yet, you know, I struggle with it. It drives me crazy. There are some gifts in once I can just exhale, relax, and surrender to it, there's some real gifts in being less driven. And how long has it been that you've been going down there? I'm kind of imagining that when you first started going down to Haiti, you probably went there with this attitude, I'm going to get these things done, I'm going to make stuff happen, so come on, folks, follow me, do what I'm saying, you know, let's, let's, let's whip you into shape here, you know? Well, I've been going there for 16 years. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you're, you're absolutely right. I think initially I saw Haiti and countries like it in the so-called developing world or whatever we're going to call it. I saw them primarily as problems to be solved, that with enough know-how and gumption and, and can-do attitude, we can roll up our sleeves and pray our way into a solution to this and bring justice and change things for the better. Now, I'm still trying to bring justice and to change things for the better, but... I learned over time that if you see those realities as problems to be solved, they are just too big and are way larger than probably any of us are going to see transformed significantly in our lifetimes. And so I had to take a much more humble approach. A shift occurred inside me, I guess, from seeing it as a problem to be fixed or something, more now as a reality 
to which I can lovingly respond. That I can do for a lifetime, and I can pace myself and I can absorb the, the disappointments and surrender and to the unfolding of things in their own time and keep on loving and responding. But I think people burn out trying to always fix things and change things, you know, in that sort of urgent sense. All I can say is, amen, brother. <laughs> well, you could probably also say the next song that you've chosen is called Follow Me. So is this uh, harkening back to your first time in Haiti where you were going to try and whip them into shape? You know, is that what Follow Me is about? No, nah, this is more, uh, no, nah, I mean, the challenge in this song is more to myself than to anyone. And really, I guess why I chose this song as part of my soul's journey, though, was I, you know, I came to a point in my journey where I realized that there was a lot of big difference between believing the right stuff about Jesus or about the Bible or about God and actually trying to live it out and actually trying to follow it. It's interesting, we were talking about hypocrisy before. Having been in around churches for a while, I began to really see how far short we all are, I mean, any any individual, including myself, but churches, how far short they fell of, of living up to what the essence of the message or the vision of Christianity is all about. And that started to really bother me, because I was around a lot of churches where the right words were spoken, but I could tell darn right well that there were any number of subjects, changes to which I think a deep reading of Scripture would call a person that these churches were not interested in dealing with at all. And so I started looking for ways, number one, how to deal with that myself personally and trying to really seriously follow Jesus and his teachings with some integrity. Again, you know, with lots of humility because I slip and fall and mess up and need grace and, and understanding and forgiveness as much as anybody else. But I really, you know, I, I really wanted to go for it. And I had a hard time finding a group of people that I felt wanted to go for it with me. So the song wasn't a critique as much as just as a challenge, the challenge that I was hearing and one that I wanted to, to share with others. And it's been one of my most popular songs. You know, this, this one's used, a lot of seminary classes uh, use this and quoted. It's a, I get letters from pastors, it's often quoted. It's kind of a call to action in, in many ways that people have used. And still, uh, it's very meaningful to me. The song is Follow Me, and it's from Brian Sergio's Justice and Love. I met this preacher from Australia He read the Bible searching for its dominant themes And he counted 87 times when Jesus said Follow me well, You know that got me thinking Maybe that's the bottom line of what Christian means Cause I follow Jesus is deeper than I believe Because it don't take much Mentally agree with a set of beliefs written down in some creed Now don't get me wrong, we need to know what we believe But lately I've been wondering Am I following Jesus? Or just believing in Christ? Cause I can believe and not change a thing But following will change my whole life he never said, come acknowledge my existence Or believe in me, I'm the second person of the Trinity But 87 times he said, come follow me If I'm a follower of Jesus Then why have I such a good life insurance risk? Why, when I do my giving, do I still keep so much when so much hunger exists? If I follow Jesus, why do I have so many friends among the affluent? 
so few among the poor And if I follow Jesus Why do missiles and guns make me feel more secure And it don't take much to mentally ascend To a statement of faith we can confirm and forget But following will change our lifestyle if we get it And more and more I'm wondering Am I following Jesus? Just believing in Christ change a thing following cost me my life he never said come acknowledge my existence or believe in me I'm the second person of the trinity but 87 times he said come follow me yes we need to know what we believe to follow the Jesus who's real oh God save us from the Christ we create in our image you know what I mean Jesus who's his left wing or right wing is we The one who baptizes our cherished ideologies The one who always seems to favor our side against some enemy I don't mean to sound self-righteous God knows I've got more questions than answers to proclaim But it's been over 20 years now since Jesus called my name So forgive me if I'm mistaken There's something wrong with a lot of churches in America these days And I think the Spirit's trying to tell us That there's a question that the churches need to raise Are we following Jesus? Just believing in Christ So we can believe and not change a thing Acknowledge my existence Or believe in me I'm your first class ticket to eternity But 87 times he said Follow me Follow Me from Justice and Love by Brian Sergio, and he's my guest today for Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet. I'm your host here on this Northern Spirit Radio production. And you can always catch these again via my website, northernspiritradio.org. And while you visit my site, please feel free and very invited to post a comment. We love to have your feedback and hear who's listening and what interests them. And it'll help other visitors to the site know which ones that they should be listening in on. Again, we're with Brian Sergio. He's down in Madison, and I'm up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Brian's just back from some time in Haiti. The next song you chose, called Strands in the Web, has a lot of references to care for creation in all of its various faces, including the animals, the birds, and the bees, plants, all that kind of thing. Are you a nature boy? Are you one who wants to get out and hike in the wilderness? I love being out in nature and camping, and in a word, yes, I have just always been blown away by the beauty of the created world. I love the mountains, I love beaches, I, I, I just love it all. So, yeah, very much. And in this song, you have a line where you say, 
And the mother will always provide for the people who treat her with care. The mother, Mother Earth, how's this related to the divine? Isn't God just a male? <laughs> I think uh, God is, is both male and female, and probably beyond our understandings of maleness and femaleness, too. So, you know, I, it's, it's important to me to, uh, to honor the feminine side of God as well as the male side. And I, I love the images of God as father and uh, metaphors that are male. And I also think it's really important to embrace the motherhood of God, the femaleness of the divine. And I think scripture points us in that direction as well. I think mainly, Brian, you hang out in UCC, United Church of Christ circles. That kind of talk, uh, Mother, Father, God, that's not a problem in those circles? I mean, I can imagine there are some uh, religious groups, maybe Wisconsin Synod Lutheran, where that wouldn't fly at all. Yeah, well, in my own denomination, the United Church of Christ, inclusive language and inclusive images for God, yes, it's much more accepted, although in many, many local United Church of Christ churches, it would be very controversial, and some that haven't dealt with that issue at all. As denominations go, though, yeah, the, the UCC tends to be much more embracing of things like uh, feminine images of God. And this this whole area, I mean, I realize what a controversial and at times painful subject it is for people, and I don't like to beat people over the head with it, and yet I also think it's really important to embrace the fullness of God in, in, in as many images as possible. And I also think that the exclusively male images, for a lot of people, especially people who have, say, grown up with a very abusive father figure, for them, using the term father or the metaphor father for God is not an easy thing emotionally. And so for me, if, if there's one person in a gathering who might be spoken to or whose heart might open up to God more deeply by being able to relate to God through a feminine image, I feel, man, why not? Why not uh, just open that up and you know let people, I mean, use as many different names for God and images for God. And at some point we get to the point that, that human language is just incapable of doing justice to the fullness of the divine. I think in many ways the Hebrews had it down by refusing to even say the word that only would spell Yahweh and not even say the name, because to give God any name at all is a reduction of the fullness of God's essence. So it's really out of respect and love for God that I want to use as many images as possible and, and keep it as open as possible, and love for other people for whom some names and images have been painful or limiting. So to me, it's a both-and thing. And the natural outgrowth of this, of course, is caring for all of creation, seeing ourselves not as what, the preeminent species on the planet, but strands in the web, as you name with the song? Right, and you probably know this, but for some who may not, I took that from a quote of Chief Seattle, is usually attributed to that, who said, the man or humankind is not the web of life, but merely strands in it. And this, you know, I'll give you a little bit of background on this song that very few people know. I was a pastor in northern Wisconsin, a little town called Elko, Wisconsin, and another town called Kempster, a two-point charge, in 1984, when the Native American treaty rights issues, some people will remember, kind of exploded in the Northwoods over 19th century uh, hunting and fishing rights. Some of the folks owned lakefront homes in the area where I, where I uh, was pastor, and some of the Chippewa in our area were spearfishing there. And it was a big controversial thing. I, we don't have time to get into it. But this song was in many ways a response of mine to that whole controversy because there was fear that spearfishing would somehow damage the fish population in a way that would bring property values down or ruin sports fishing, etc. When the truth, in my opinion, was that if anybody was putting pressure on the populations, it was the sports fishing industry and gas in lakes and all those kinds of things. 
Uh, and again, it's not my purpose to open that whole issue back up. But this was a song I wrote way back then. I, I changed a few words, but I wanted to honor the spiritual wisdom of Native Americans. So there was the reference uh, from Chief Seattle. And then I also wanted to kind of say, you know what, there's enough for everyone, and God will provide for everyone if we all together treat creation with respect and with dignity and treat each other with respect and with dignity. So that was part of where the song came from. only other thing I guess I just want to say is that part of why I chose this song as part of my own spiritual journey is that, as I alluded to earlier, I just, over the years, I started off very much as a Christian. I am still very much a Christian, but I have just deep, deep respect for all religious truth, for every major religious vision, including Native American spiritualities. Um, I just want to recognize the presence of truth wherever it's found. And I guess that's particularly important to me because I think Christians have very often been disrespectful of other visions and claim that only we have access to truth or only we know truth that everybody else is going to hell, etc. And I just find that to be very unloving and, and a very narrow and limited understanding and, and ultimately not true to the vision of Scripture itself. But that was also why I wanted to share a song that was indicative of the fact that I am trying to embrace and acknowledge truth uh, wherever it's found. The song is Strands in the Web. Praise the Creator for the sun in the sky to all peoples and nations Praise for the cycles and seasons of life Brother and sister creation Praise for the trees and the sap and the seeds Praise for the good food we eat And the mother will always provide For her people who treat with care Every being and thing will survive When we're strands in the web of all life Praise for the waters that fill up our wells Praise for the balance of nature Praise for the person who loves more than self Praise for the gift of neighbor Praise for the elders who teach us to share Praise for the will to be fair And the mother will always provide For a people who treat with care Every being and thing will survive When we're strands in the web of all life captives free from prisons of misunderstanding. Praise for the people now able to see the embers of hate they were fanning. Praise for the rights of all peoples on earth and praise for respect they deserve. And the mother will always provide for a people who treat with care. Every being and thing will survive. When we're strands in the web of all life And the gift of creation will flourish and thrive When we're strands in the web of all life Yes, the gift of creation will flourish and thrive When we're strands in the web of all life Hey, the gift of creation 
thrive when we're strands in the web of our life. That was from Brian Sergio's album Wise as Serpents, Gentle as a Dove. The song is Strands in the Web. And he's joined us today from Madison to share his song of the soul. And that website again is com. And Brian is spelled. Oh, you've got three seconds. Go. B R Y A N. But I A N will get you there, too. You bought both domain names? I did. <laughs> what a wise man. <laughs> okay. Well, you're just recently back again from down in Haiti. And the next song that you chose for your song of the soul really hits this practical aspect of biblical love, I think. Tell us about If You Eat Each Day. Well, one of the things that I have done over the years, when I go to Haiti and I take groups, and I didn't start this myself. Personally, I I, uh, was on staff with another organization, and they made this connection initially. But we work with the Missionaries of Charity, which are the Sisters of Mother Teresa, in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. There are two primary workstations, we call them, or places that they have run. One is an orphanage of sorts. The other is a place called the Home for the Dying and the Destitute. And missionaries of charity have similar places all over the world. I've also been to the one in, in Calcutta, which was the very first. And that's where Mother Teresa started her ministry. But the missionaries of charity, their commitment is to the poorest of the poor. And so they, they try to find people who have no homes, no families, who have terminal illnesses, usually in Haiti. That means AIDS and or TB, often both, complicated usually by severe malnutrition. And they find these uh, men and women and bring them to this place, and most of them die there. It's not really a a medical clinic, although sometimes they're able to get some medicines and people do get better uh, sometimes. But for the most part, it's about just trying to love people, treat them as children of God, whatever their religion may be, and be a a loving, Christ-centered presence to them as they prepare to cross over into the next realm. And so we go there and just try to be a presence, a loving presence, do any number of different things, give massages to to uh, people with TB because their backs are so sore from coughing all the time, clip fingernails or whatever. On this particular occasion, this, this sister in this song asked me to give some haircuts uh, or to one man in particular. So that's how this all started. But part of the reason that I chose this song is that my journey, you know, I went to seminary and my own awareness of social justice and all of that really kind of exploded then. And, and I had a pretty intellectual analysis of the problems of the world and political structures and all these things. But I think at some point, these issues have to somehow get personal. And so I seek out opportunities to be in relationship with people on the bottom, people who fall through the cracks. And my life has really been changed by a number of conversations that I've had. So this song is it's about one of those conversations, and it just blew me away so much that, that I decided to share it with other people in the form of a song. And it was one of those moments where when he said what he says in this song, I guess, you know, it's probably not overstating it to say that this conversation and a few others like it really changed my whole point of reference. Haiti's the poorest country in this hemisphere. I go there now and then to get my vision clear. Sometimes it gets so hazy in this land of I consume, therefore I am. I was working in this clinic for the dying and diseased Living skeletons with AIDS and TB Organized and run by Mother Teresa and her sisters of charity Well, I asked the nun in charge, sister, what should I do? She smiled at me and said, I've got a job for you Then she gave me a pair of scissors and said, see that man there? He'd like for you to cut his hair 
And I said, oh, sister, are you sure? I mean, it's not like I've given a whole lot of haircuts in my day. But I was there to help, so I just smiled and said, okay. So there I was, this natural born Vidal Sassoon, just snipping that hair away. We struck up conversation as best we could. His English was broken, my Creole's not too good. But we managed to communicate enough for him to say something I never will forget. See, in the course of conversation, we started talking about who's poor and who's rich. And the thing he said that blew my mind went something like this. You see, I asked him, do you think I'm rich? This was his response to me. He said, well, how many times a week do you eat? Well, his question took my voice away. And he said, you mean you eat every day? And I said, yeah. And he just said this. Well, if you eat each day, you're rich. Somehow that moment felt to me like holy ground. I finished his haircut and when I turned around, there was a whole line of customers who kind of liked the way I cut that one man's hair. So I gave them haircuts, but they gave me so much more. They gave me the perspective of the poorest of the poor. And I know I'll spend the rest of my life trying to somehow respond. Because if it's true, as we often say, that wealth is relative, it just might take the dying poor in a place like Port-au-Prince to help us see this relativity from God's point of view. To cut through our first world denial with gospel truth. And as for me, well, I know I need to receive this paradigm shift. That in a hungry world, if we eat each day, we're rich. country in this hemisphere I go there now and then to get my vision clear Sometimes it gets so hazy in this land of I consume, therefore I am Sometimes it gets so hazy in this land of I consume, therefore I am Sometimes it gets so hazy in this land of I consume, therefore I am That was If You Eat Each Day Brian Sergio, and he's joining me today from down in Madison. Brian, about that song, did I detect a banjo in there? You're a guitarist, right? Yeah. No, that was actually guitar. It was all guitar in there. Just a, a bit, kind of the style, there was a lot of hammering going on in there, and that may have been a little bit, I mean, it's a guitar style uh, that may have been reminiscent, and a little bit of 12-string guitar in there, too, which may have been what you're hearing. 
Well, I think we're just about at the end of today's sharing of your spiritual journey, your song of the soul. What shall we go out with? Well, there's a song called Calling at the Crossroads that I like a lot. It's based on a a quote from author Frederick Beekner referring to call. He said, a person's call is where their own greatest source of joy, or I've sometimes heard the quote, is their own deep gladness intersects with the needs of the world. I just love that quote when I first heard it. And, you know, it's just that notion that uh, whatever we love to do, I mean, I think what the world needs is people who are alive and in love with life and, and using whatever gifts they have, but then connecting those with the needs of the world. And, and that's what I'm trying to make my life about. I, I do it very imperfectly, but that's what I'm committed to. So the song's just kind of based on that truth, and it's a good way to, to uh, end things, I think. I'm going to close out Ryan Sergio's Song of the Soul with the song Calling at the Crossroads. What you gonna do when it's time to choose? What you gonna do with your life? How you gonna use what's been given you? How you gonna know what is right? There are many voices that call to you. God's voice won't always be loud. But if you wanna do what Christ wants you to, here's a truth to think about. Where your greatest source of joy intersects with the needs of the world. Go and find that place and do the Spirit calling you, calling you. Where your greatest source of joy intersects with the needs of the world. Go and find that place and do your calling at the crossroads. tell you that you must ask first where's the biggest money to be made I will tell you there's no check that's worth pushing what you love away some are gonna tell you that growing up means saying no to your dreams I believe the spirit wants to cross your dreams with a wounded person's knees where your greatest source of joy intersects with the needs of the world go and find that place and to the spirit calling you calling you where your greatest source of joy intersects with the needs of the world go and find that place and to your calling at the crossroads But someone has said there's no market for what you do, so let it go. But I sing your praise to the God who creates and ask God to show you how your artistry can somehow be used to raise up in a world that puts down where your greatest source of joy intersects with the needs of the world. Go and find that place and to the Spirit calling you, calling you where your greatest source of joy intersects with the needs of the world. Go and find that place and to your calling at the crossroads. Find your calling at the crossroads. There is a calling at the crossroads.
I was calling it the crossroads. Nice, strong tune there. Brian, I, I guess I'd describe your music in the area of rock, basically. But are you attracted to all forms, you know, jazz and blues and classical? What is your musical background? You know, I am attracted to music. I mean, I just love music in all of its forms. I mean, everything you just mentioned, I even like metal and, you know, hard rock. If the musicians are authentic, passionate, loving what they're doing, committed to excellence, just about any art form gets me. You know, at times I'm probably a little bit too diverse for some people's taste, you know. But the few times I've talked to A&R people at various record companies that have been interested in me over the years, they're always wanting to say, man, you've got to choose one style and, and stay within that. And I've never been willing to do it. <laughs> well, keep up that rebellious streak. <laughs> if it's your calling, follow it. And if it connects your greatest source of joy with the needs of the world, I think you're on the right track. Thanks for sharing today your Song of the Soul, Brian. Thanks a lot for having me, Mark. That was singer-songwriter Brian Sergio, and his website is briansergio.com. That's B-R-Y-A-N-S-I-R-C-H-I-O.com. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again track down the list of songs included and a whole lot more on my website northernspiritradio.org and I invite you to share your song of the soul with my listeners just contact me via my website and please join me weekly for Song of the Soul You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song